You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We're glad you're joining us for another episode. Um, if this is your first time listening, we'd encourage you to stay a while. And if you like what you hear, to please download and subscribe our content on a regular basis. Uh, you can do that by just hitting that subscribe button on any of the podcast applications, and then you'll get that uh, content downloaded to your mobile device uh, every time we release an episode. We try to do that each week, um, Sunday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We try to release those. And so uh, if you're a subscriber, you'll get those as soon as we release them. also want to encourage you, um, if you have not done so already, we would love to hear from our listeners to learn a little bit more about who's listening. And uh, you can send us an email over to bonefireministries at gmail.com. We'd love to start a conversation with you. And uh, you can send us uh, maybe where you're listening from and uh, episodes that you like uh, or something you'd like to hear us uh, cover. Or maybe you have a prayer request you'd like for us to pray with you about. We'd love to do that. So feel free to email us, bonefireministries at gmail.com. And then, as always, I would encourage you to please tell someone about the Bonfire Podcast. If you are enjoying our podcast, we believe strongly there's people around you that would enjoy it as well. And all they need to do is just be told about it. So maybe it's a friend at work. Maybe it's a family member. Mention that you're listening and studying the Bible through the Bonfire Podcast and uh, get them to study along with you. I think that'd be a great way uh, to uh, get them on board and for us to gain new listeners, Dad. That's right. That's right. Well, Dad, we uh, made it to the end. Uh, this is our final episode in our study uh, series, By Faith. Now, in case you've lost count, we have spent the last uh, nine episodes. This is episode 10 uh, of our series of going through Hebrews chapter 11. We've spent about two and a half months taking a deep dive through Faith's Hall of Fame. And during this time, we've learned together the essential truth that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we've looked at examples of both men and women who have lived lives of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is not just an entertaining and, and inspiring chapter, but it's also an empowering chapter as well. I firmly believe that the writer of Hebrews was divinely inspired to pen these words found here to empower and challenge all of us to read, who read it to live by faith. In the closing verses of chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews doubles down on his effort to empower and challenge us as readers. In the South, we have a saying, we say everything but the kitchen sink. That phrase implies that everything possible is included. And as the writer closes out Hebrews, he includes everything regarding faith but the kitchen sink and trying to encourage us and empower us to live by faith. As we look at these final verses here, we're going to see the writer's final challenge to us. And there's three things I think we can take from this that I want us to look at today. Uh, that the writer is trying to convey to us. First is that faith can be had by all kinds of people. Second is that faith can be displayed through all kinds of circumstances. And lastly is that if they overcame, so can we. And so, Dad, if you'll get us started off here, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, our scripture text for today is going to be verses 32 through the end of the chapter, verse 40. And Dad starts off by looking at verses 32 through 35, faith by all kinds of people. All right, Matt. Um, if we're going to stand in this wicked culture, we've got to have unshakable faith. Yeah. And the kind of faith that the author of Hebrews saw in the people that he listed, I mean, people that we've already studied about up to this point, 
Now, God uses all kind of people, as you've already found out if you've been following along in our podcast as we've been teaching through Hebrews chapter 11. God used shepherds like Abel, builders like Noah, nomads like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, military men like Joshua, uh, men and women, young and old. He uses all kinds of people to stand for him. Now, what's the common denominator uh, with all of the people we've already mentioned? Obviously, it's what we're talking about, faith. He's looking for people of faith. Now, as you mentioned, Matt, the writer of Hebrews names even more people in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, that exhibit faith and are a model to us. He says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, and also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Now, these six people were not perfect people, but they learned to please God by faith. Now, the author of Hebrews, he did not have time and space to tell about them in detail or the many others that he alluded to uh, in the following verses, in verses 33 through 35. But he mentions these people. And of course, those of us that have studied the Old Testament, we think about their stories automatically when we see their names. One person that he mentioned is Gideon. And Gideon. Now, uh, Gideon, I'd like to tell you a little bit about his life. Uh, Gideon's life is an illustration of faith that conquers, faith that overcomes. Now, when we first read about Gideon in the Old Testament, Gideon was a weak and fearful man. He was afraid of the Midianites who had invaded their land. As a matter of fact, when we first read of him, he is hiding in a wine press, threshing grain. Now, I want you to think about that. Generally, you thresh grain up high on a hill where the wind blows so as to separate the wheat from the chaff, not down low like in a wine press where Gideon was. So Gideon literally was throwing up grain and it was falling on his head. He was that fearful. But the Lord came to him and in Judges six twelve, the Lord said, uh, the Lord is with you, uh, thou mighty man of valor. <laughs> I imagine when uh, Gideon looked up and he heard that statement, he probably looked around to see if somebody else was standing uh, around him. Mighty man of valor, he didn't imagine at all he was talking about him. Look where he was in a wine press hiding. And, and then the Lord said to him that he was going to win a great victory through him, through Gideon. And Gideon, as we read back in the Scriptures, we find out that he began to apologize and complain and even ask, where are the miracles? Well, think about it. Here the Lord was appearing to him in the form of an angel, and Gideon said, where are the miracles? We're like that sometimes. God does something right before our eyes, and we ask, where's God? Well, after being assured God was with him, Gideon mustered an army of 32,000 men. God said, that's too many, Gideon. <laughs> Think about it, 32,000. And they were outnumbered with 32,000 men, 10 to 1, and God said, that's too many. Gideon then tells those 32,000 that are afraid, I want you to go home. 22,000 people left. Then the Lord came to Gideon and told him he still had too many. I mean, that left 10,000. You still got too many. 
God told him to take the soldiers down to the stream for a drink. And some of the men got on their hands and knees to drink, you know, to lap it up like a dog directly from the stream. And in doing that and laying down, they were totally unprepared if the enemy should come upon them. Others recognized that they should be prepared, and they scooped up water with one hand and drank from that one hand. Gideon sent those that were unprepared for the enemy that got down on their hands and knees to drink water home. That was 9,700 men. That left only 300. Now, Gideon had 32,000. They were still outnumbered 10 to 1. Now the, the troops have been whittled down to 300. The next morning, God told Gideon, I'm going to use that handful of men to win a great victory against the Midianites. Uh, God was teaching Gideon that victory is not won through man's strength, but by the strength and the power of God. And that's a lesson that we really need to learn. Gideon and his little army of 300 men surround the ar- surrounded the army of the Midianites. And each of Gideon's men had a pitcher in one hand and a trumpet in the other. And there were lamps inside their pitchers. And at the signal, Israelites, those 300 Israelites, they all broke their pitchers. Then they held up their lamps and blew their trumpets and shouted, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And it scared the Midianites. They went into confusion. God gave Gideon and his 300 men a great, great victory. Like Gideon and his men, you and I need to depend on God for victory instead of drawing on our own resources. And uh, besides Gideon, the author of Hebrews mentions, as I said a while ago, five other names, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samson. God uses a variety of people. And then he even added some more people. He said in verse uh, 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women, verse 35, received their dead, raised to life again. Going back to verse 33, when the author of Hebrews said, who through faith subdued kingdoms, most likely he had in his mind Moses because Moses, you know, led the children of Israel out of captivity from the Egyptians. That was the world power during that time, uh, the greatest kingdom on earth at that time. And, and Moses stood up to Pharaoh and led those Hebrew children out of there. When he said, stop the mouths of lions, the author of Hebrews no doubt had in mind Daniel, who was thrown into a lion's den because he refused to obey the order of the king not to pray to his God. When we read about where the author of Hebrews mentioned those that quenched the violence of fire, certainly he had to have in mind the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that would not bow down to the image of the king and therefore was thrown into a fiery furnace. But they didn't burn up and perish in that fiery furnace because God was with them. As a matter of fact, the king could look into that fire and he didn't see three, but he saw four men walking about in the fire. And one, he said, looked to be as 
if it was the Son of God. And certainly Jesus was with them in the fire, and he'll be with us when we go through the fire too. Uh, The author of Hebrews mentioned those that escaped the edge of the sword. Perhaps he had in mind Elisha. You remember the king of Israel threatened to behead him over in 2 Kings 6, 31. He mentioned those whose weakness was turned to strength. Obviously, that refers back to Gideon, who I told you about, and many more. Those that were powerful in battle, that had to be like Joshua. Women who received back their dead. When I think about that, I think about the the widow of Zarephath. You remember Elijah raised her son from the dead. God is looking for faith in all kinds of people. And has he found faith in you? That's the question. That's exactly right. Not only do we see that God uses uh, and has faith displayed through all types of people or all kinds of people, we also see that faith can be displayed through all kinds of circumstances. I want us to, to read together verses 35 through 38. If you got your Bible, look there with us. It says, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had a trial of mocking and scourging. Yes, and of chains and of imprisonment. They were stoned, and they were uh, sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. Now, Dad, this is a very important transition that we see happening here in verse 35, and I want all of our listeners to make sure they, if you've turned us down, turn us back up at this point, and and I want you to hear this, this piece specifically. Note here, the writer of Hebrews is clear to say that not all men and women of faith experienced miraculous deliverances. In fact, the passages tells us that some were tortured and some even died and were killed uh, through their, their problems. And... Uh, unfortunately, there's been this theory or this theology that's creeped into modern church where everything is is going to go well if you're a Christian and and that your faith, if you have the right amount of faith, then everything's going to work out the way that it's supposed to be. But that's clearly not what the Bible teaches, mm-hmm. and it's opposite of that. Dad, I was reading behind Warren Wiersbe, one of the Bible commentators, and in his commentary, he tells the story of going to the hospital to to visit um, one of his church members that was sick, and uh, the lady had been diagnosed with a terminal illness, and when he got to her room, he found the woman crying. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he inquired and you know said, what's wrong? Is there something going on? And she handed him a book. And uh, there had been volunteers that had been on the hospital floor that day, and they had given her a book. And the book was about divine healing and the power of faith. Mm-hmm. And on the inside cover of the book, an anonymous person who gave her the book had wrote, this book will give you the faith to be healed. And so the young lady had had looked through this book and read portions of it, and she was crying because she was of the thought that she didn't have the faith to be healed. Mm -hmm. And uh, Wearsby had to go through and explain to her that that's not how faith works, is is, is not all the time is it God's plan or his will uh, that we are healed or that we're delivered out of the circumstances that we're Mm -hmm. in, and that that's a a twisting of, of Scripture 
to, to portray it that way. And uh, he said that just stuck with him for, for so long to see the tears of this woman's face, who's again facing a critical illness, and, and to think that she had that seed planted in her mind that she didn't have faith enough to be healed. I want our listeners to listen to me and listen to me very carefully. And I, as I said, this gets twisted in, in today's modern church, and I'll call you out. That's the New Apostolic Reformation folks. That's the Name It, Claim It gospel folks. Uh, that's the wealth, health, and prosperity gospel people. Uh, they twist this, and they, they, they try to say that if you got faith, everything's going to be okay. I believe strongly that God can heal anybody, anywhere, anytime from any infirmity. I also believe that God can deliver anybody, anywhere, anytime from any situation. But hear me clearly, God does not have to heal or deliver to prove one's faith. Mm -hmm. That's clearly not necessary. And in fact, many times it's not in God's will, as I've already said, for, for him to heal or deliver you, or at least not in the way that we look at it in human stance, Dad. You know, I, I think we've all had that experience of knowing someone who was struggling through, say, a terminal illness, and we pray and we pray and we pray that they will be healed and that the cancer will go away or this infirmity will go away. And many times we've seen it happen where someone is miraculously healed. But then there's other times that we pray and we pray and we pray, and that person doesn't get a healing, and they end up passing away. Mm -hmm. For our human context, we think, well, God didn't answer our prayers. But in reality, God answered the prayer in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. You know, God took the person out of the situation and put them in eternity where there is no cancer, where there is no sickness, where there is no pain. Right. That's the best kind of healing that could be provided to that person. Mm -hmm. The same thing can be said for those listeners who may be going through trials and tribulations, and you're going through a tough time in life, and the pain and the hurt and the the cuts are real, and they're deep, and you feel like, I'm never going to get out of this. I can't see a light at the end of the tunnel. And you keep asking yourself, why hasn't God brought me through this? Mm -hmm. Well, the reality is Scripture tells us that that may not be God's will to bring you out of this miraculously, like we've seen all throughout Hebrews chapter 11. There are those that are meant to endure. Mm -hmm. And when you're meant to endure, you have to cling tight to your faith and hold on. But there's going to be a reward. It's just going to happen on the other side of attorney. One day you're That's going to right. open your eyes and you're going to look on the other side of the attorney and whatever that was that was causing you pain or, or trouble or, or angst is going to be gone. Right. It's all going to be taken away. And that's God's perfect way of bringing deliverance to uh, to you. The writer of Hebrews recorded the fact that many men and women of faith were not delivered from difficult circumstances, yet God honored their faith still. Of these believers who endured so courageously for their faith, the Scripture says of them in verse 38 that the world was not worthy of them. Now think of the irony here. The world rejected them. The world persecuted them, the world arrested them and tortured them, and in some cases killed them, yet God's word tells us that the world was not worthy to contain them. But that wasn't any trouble for these believers because they didn't care what the world thought of them. They kept their faith in God and their eyes on the promise that he had given. That I find that real, true, genuine faith enables believers to turn from the approval of the world and seek only the approval of God. You know, Dad, it's been, um, I guess it's been a couple years ago, you were, were preaching a sermon and you gave uh, a sermon illustration. It was about a, a football player, professional football player. His name was uh, Carson Wentz, I believe. He was quarterback for maybe the Philadelphia Eagles, I think, mm -hmm. when they went to the Super Bowl um, a couple years ago. And uh, 
from his testimony, he's a Christian uh, believer, and uh, he has an organization uh, called AO1, and uh, it's a, a little uh, acronym that he really believes strongly in. It stands for Audience of One. And as I was reading and studying through here, I, I kind of got to thinking about these these believers. You know, they were being tortured for their beliefs. They were being put on mock trials and, and just scourged and everything else for, for being followers of Christ. Mm-hmm. But they didn't care because they, they had this same mindset, as does uh, Carson Wentz, that they had an audience of one. There was only one person that they had to worry about pleasing, and that was God. When you gave that sermon illustration, um, I... I that hit home with me, and uh, I actually went to work the next day, and I got my label maker out of my my drawer, and uh, I made little stickers, and I put them on my computer monitor, and it said A01, and I, I spent a lot of time on conference calls, and so I put one right on my phone, on my desk phone there that I had to stare at, mm-hmm. um, because I needed that reminder that I was going to be put in situations uh I work in a in a secular field, and I was going to be put in situations, and and there was going to be things that arise that were going to be in conflict with my beliefs, or that I needed to take a stand on, and I wanted that reminder to be, you know what, I don't need to please who's on the other side of the phone, mm-hmm. I don't need to please who's on the other side of this computer screen when I'm doing an email, I need to keep in mind that I've got an audience of one, mm-hmm. and as long as I'm doing what's right by my beliefs and my faith, and I know I'm right with God. Then I'm gonna let the chips fall where they where they fall, mm-hmm. and uh, and and that's how these early believers, these Old Testament believers, uh, they had that same mentality, the AO one mentality of audience of one, and that allowed them to get through to the end. That's right. You know, one thing that stands out to me, Matt, is that you mentioned that the world rejected these people that were persecuted for their faith. But the world was not worthy to contain them. Verse 35, I want you to listen uh, to what verse 35 goes on to say at the end. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Those who endure rather than escape obtain a better resurrection. This means their reward in heaven is going to be great. Now, the rewards that we receive in heaven, we can never lose. That's right. You know, the day will come when the applause and the cheers of man's going to fade away. But the applause of heaven and the well done thou good and faithful servant is something that we all should want to hear. And it could be that you're going through a hard time and you're suffering and, you know, uh, you might even give your life. You might be listening on a foreign field today. And somebody, somebody might break through and kidnap you and harm you and even kill you. Listen, don't give up your faith because the Bible teaches us that if we endure to the end, if we maintain our faith, God is going to reward us when we get to heaven. We will obtain a better resurrection. Some people, no wonder the Bible says, teaches us to count it as a joy when we uh, find ourselves in all manners of persecution and we're talked uh, uh, ugly to and and treated harshly. Count it all a joy that we get to suffer for the Lord Jesus because he's got in in mind to give us uh, a reward in heaven for sticking through it. That's exactly right. And, you know, Dad, we were talking before we got started, and I think you may have a story here about um, the fact of uh, people underestimate um, you know, sometimes that when you follow Christ 
and that you're you're doing uh, God's work. That again, everything's going to be rosy, everything's going to be fine. But a lot of people uh, throughout time have paid a price in order to get uh, God's word and God's message out to other people, and uh, they would fit in kind of this bucket. You know, they didn't get miraculous deliverance or they didn't get amazing healing. They went through tough times, but they they did it because they had faith and they believed in what they were doing. And ultimately, like you said, they're going to be rewarded on the other side of that. That's right. Hey, Matt, I want to tell you the story about Adam Judson, one of the great, great missionaries. I heard this story on the radio probably about two weeks ago, and it just captured my attention. And I thought about the sufferings of Adam Judson and the great price that he paid to get the gospel out to the people of Burma, to get the the Bible translated in the language of these people. And he suffered just like these people that we read about over in Hebrews chapter 11. I think that even though we know that the author of Hebrews was talking primarily about people that lived prior to him and that perhaps he knew uh, during his lifetime, I think here 2,000 years of Christianity's passed, and there are a lot of people that continue the legacy of those that stand firm in what they believe and hold their faith and and are willing to pay the price. And Adam Judson was one. He he left uh, in 1812 to become a missionary to Burma. And for the first 13 years that he lived in Burma, he and his family, uh, their lives were punctuated by serious illness, lengthy separations, continual harassment. Certainly, he probably wasn't expecting anything like that, but that's what happened. The Judsons were frequently acquainted with sickness, suffering, and death the first 13 years they were in Burma. They lost three children. After falling gravely ill, his wife spent two years in America convalescing, only to discover that she and her husband were celebrities there. Shortly afterwards, his wife returned back to the field, and after she got back on the field in Burma, war broke out between Burma and England. In 1824, the Burmese emperor imprisoned nearly all Western men that were living there as presumed spies for the British government. And this included Adam Judson, who certainly was not a spy. He was a missionary. But uh, nonetheless, he was arrested with all the other men, and he spent 19 months. Now, did you get that? 19 months in two different prisons. And I'm not talking about the kind of prisons that people have today where they watch color television, their meals are served to them, uh, they have visitors, even conjugal visits, that kind of stuff. No, that was not the kind of prison he was in for 19 for 19 months. One of the prisons that he was in was overseen by convicted murderers who had been spared death in exchange for serving as jailers. Well, many of the prisoners died, but uh, Adam's wife's devotion kept him alive. She pestered, begged, and bribed so that she could provide food for her imprisoned husband. She even managed to give Adam his personal pillow into which was sewn his translation of the Burmese Bible. All the while, she was nursing an infant and raising two orphan Burmese girls. Adam was eventually released from prison so he could serve as a translator for the peace negotiations between Burma and England. But the end of the war wasn't the end of the Judson's sufferings. Uh, His wife died in 1826, followed by two-year-old Maria Judson six months later, his child. 
uh, Adam's grief led him to eventually retreat into seclusion. He grew increasingly uh, reclusive, finally building a hut in the jungle. And he named his hut the Hermitage and spent 40 days living in the jungle, eating little besides minimum rice rations. He dug his own grave and spent many hours contemplating death. The jungle was tiger-infested, and many locals feared Adoram would be eaten. When he returned safely from his self-exile, everyone was surprised he survived. Over the course of 1830, Adoram increasingly emerged from his spiritual darkness with a new resolve to reach Burma for Christ. He enjoyed a decade of evangelistic fruitfulness, especially among the tribal Karen people. He also continued his translation work and mentored the steady stream of younger Baptist missionaries coming to Burma to work among the Burmese and the Karen. Well, Adoram's translation work uh, is his most important legacy, and it continues to reap gospel fruit in the area around Burma. And, ser- and he serves as an example, even today, to countless missionaries all over the world. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, living for Jesus was not a piece of cake for Adam Judson and his wife. They suffered. They went through hardship, but they endured, and God rewarded Adam for his, his faithfulness. He saw fruit uh, in on this life, in this life. But uh, one of these days, dear friend, he is going to re- be greatly held and lifted up as uh, one of the, the great men of faith when we get to the Bible is for what all he endured for the cause of Christ. And I imagine when we go up to Adam Judson in heaven and we talk to him about his life and we talk about his sufferings on earth, he'll say it was worth it all, worth it all. That's exactly right. You know that was that, that was a great example of how uh, you know Christian going through tough times, going through suffering, and again, it's not all going to be uh, just sunshine and everything's going to be fine. And I, I hope that those that are listening uh, that you'll understand that 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 kind of hit a nerve with both of us. You know, when we read this in the scripture and know what's kind of being pushed out there, and 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 some of the uh, modern churches that are out and about. Uh, that that's that's not Bible. That's not true scripture. That's not good doctrine there. That the Bible doesn't teach that everything's going to be fine. That there are going to be times where there are trials and there's suffering, and sometimes there's not going to be removal from that. But just like these believers courageously endured for their faith, uh, so can we. And uh, if it's God's plan for your life to endure rather than than escape. Well, you need to hold on to your faith. You need to seek only the approval of God and cling to his promises. And one day you will be rewarded in eternity. Well, Dad, let's move on and look at this last message that the writer has for us here in chapter 11. And and I kind of summarize that as they overcame, so so can we. And uh, let's look at verses uh, 39 and 40. And it says, all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having give, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Now, these two verses here is, is the, the writer just summarizes the entire chapter and kind of brings it all together. And he says that, you know what, these Old Testament saints, all these people that we've listed, think about the, the 10 weeks that we've gone through in the study, 
all of those names, all the names that you covered tonight, and even the anonymous, anonymous ones there that, that are listed uh, in these verses, um, they all had faith, but they didn't receive the promise. Mm-hmm. Um, but they held true to their, their faith, and they kept that promise. And although there were many promises that were fulfilled in their lifetime, they did not see the greatest promise fulfilled, and that was the coming of the Messiah. Now, the Old Testament saints, think about this, they only had shadows of Christ, and they had the promise. Uh, But yet they held true to their faith, and they held true to God's promises, and God accounted that to them as being a faith that led to salvation, just like you and I have salvation. And uh, the passage says that we have something better, we being New Testament saints, or New Testament believers, and that thing that we have better is we have the full fulfillment of the promise, Mm -hmm. which is Jesus Christ came, and uh, he lived, he died, he paid the penalty for our sin, and he rose again, and we have the full work of God's Word in print Mm -hmm. that we're able to read from. And so the writer is saying, think about this, all these Old Testament saints, they didn't have much to go off of. Mm -hmm. All they had was a little promise from God. And they believed it, and they followed after it. Mm-hmm. Think of us, New Testament. Think of all the things that we have, the writer right. said. He's writing to that church, and, and uh, the Hebrew church, and he's saying, think about what you have. You've got God's Word on paper. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Christ has come. You've, you've seen him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been here, and uh, he's coming back again. And that should be what motivates us to have faith to get through uh, to tomorrow. You know, the Old Testament saints, they were looking forward to what Christ would do on the cross. They didn't exactly know how that was going to work out, but they knew mm-hmm. that God was making a way. And we as New Testament uh, saints, we look back at the cross, at what Christ did there. But one day, all of us, as that verse says, we're all going to be made perfect together. We're all going to take part and in, uh, in that heavenly city and all be part of the bride of Christ uh, there in that final day. And it's just going to be a great time to see mm-hmm. Old Testament saints that live by faith and us New Testament saints that live by faith join together um, in eternity. Well, we hope that you have enjoyed our study by faith. Uh, we, again, we spent 10 weeks going through Hebrews chapter 11. That's a deep dive through one book of the Bible there. A lot of scripture that we've gone through, but we hope Um, that the message has rang true for you. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And these examples are put here, divinely inspired by God, to give us uh, encouragement. It's to inspire us. It's to empower us uh, to go forward and to live with faith. And so I I pray uh, that through this study, that's uh, what's happened. You've been able to see uh, these examples of faith, and you said, you know what? They can do it, so can I. That's right. And as we looked at tonight, uh, you know, a lot of those examples that we talked through, they were, you know, heroic uh, kind of uh, miracles uh, of deliverances that were happening in their lives. Um, but there is those that have to endure. Mm-hmm. And uh, regardless of what your your situation is, whether it's God's plan to bring you out, as we said, whether it's his plan to have you endure or to escape, we hope that you keep your faith and that you live by faith and that you keep your eyes set on eternity, because ultimately that's where uh, the reward in life will come. Uh, when we all get to heaven and get to see Jesus. That's right. Well, Dad, if you would, pray us out of here, please. Sure. Our Heavenly Father, we just want to let you know, God, we love you, and we thank you, God, for loving us. And our Heavenly Father, uh, we're thankful that sometimes you allow things to come into our lives that causes our faith to get stronger and to grow and to build. Uh, Lord, uh, we don't want to have little faith like Jesus sometimes he Uh, said to his disciples when they were afraid and they were out on the water, he said, ye of little faith, 
our Father in heaven, I know my faith has, has been much smaller at one time than it is today, and it is not as big as I hope that it will one day be. And our Heavenly Father, I thank you also for the fact, we both do, that one day our faith will become sight when we get to see you face to face. And we will know then uh, that everything that we went through down here on this earth uh, to make a stand for the truth of the gospel was worth it all then. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.